0: Welcome to a Kenyans Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. This podcast is relevant for everyone at any point in the academic or career path, from high schoolers, to uni students, to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their careers. Here at AKE, we ask the questions you wished you had before you started your journey and normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in for a once-weekly episode that will leave you inspired, challenged, and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on A Kenyan's Experience.
1: In this new season, we're introducing a new feature, voice notes, whereby you as the audience will be able to click on a link that will be in our show notes and let us know what you thought about the episode. Any feedback you may have, you know, as far as content or even like technical stuff, we want to improve. So hit that link, record a voice note and let us know what you think.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of a Kenyans Experience podcast. Today we are on part two of our episode with Angela, and today we shall be answering your questions about UNICEF, what they do and how they can help you. I am here with my fellow co-host, Dennis. Say hi to the people.
2: Hey guys, happy to be here. Happy to have Angela again.
0: Thank you. Angela, welcome back. Welcome <laughs>
3: back. Thank you. I'm honestly happy to be back. Yeah, and I can't wait to enjoy the conversation. Awesome. This is exciting. So if you
0: guys haven't been paying attention to our Instagram, number one, you need to. And <laughs> number two, we have recently collaborated with UNISERV and today we shall be talking with Angela and, you know, finding out what UNICEF is, what they do, and answering some of your questions, and hopefully you find this um, session helpful. Um, so, with that, we can just get into it. So, Angela, tell us, who is UNICEF Education and what services do you offer?
3: Okay, so... Thank you for having me again, Gatoni, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about this. Um, just to talk about UNISERV. So when you hear UNISERV education, I would want everybody to think study abroad, mid-simple. Okay? Mm-hmm. So now, this comes from the mandate that was set up. Like the, when the company was being set up 15, 17 years ago, actually, mm-hmm. the chairman set it up, and his single mandate was to make sure that education, higher education opportunities were available to everybody. Um, In Kenya, you know, in Africa, and of course now in the companies that we have, in the countries that we are currently in. Mm -hmm. So now when you hear UNICEF education, you need to know that, um, first of all, we are the best at what we do. And what we do is we are able to guide students, um, maximize on getting knowledge in regards to higher education opportunities and the universities and the countries Mm -hmm. that are looking to give you the best education abroad. So now, UNICEF Education has partnered with over 400 global institutions wow. and, um, and we've ventured into more than 15 countries where we are able to, you know, maximize on the criteria of what the students are looking at and what they're looking for in terms of university selection, in terms of uh, what they're looking for in a country. Um, For example, if you're looking to go into a multilingual country in a Mediterranean climate, we have that. If you're looking to study in the best, you know, medical school, Mm -hmm. we have that. And um, yeah, so our advisory services include and are not limited to career coaching. So we are able to at least guide students through um, identifying their strengths and what their weaknesses are and guiding them towards um, a career or a course that would you know, propel them towards the career that they are looking or maybe working towards from mm-hmm. high school to university. So not only do we do that, we also offer university guidance and university selection. We help students apply universities, because honestly, this whole process can be daunting, mm-hmm. and that's why student comes to, students mm-hmm. come to us. Because you see, sometimes, even if you see the university on Google, and you're able to see the program on Google now, the whole the application to these universities is a whole different ballgame, yeah. because you have to understand mm-hmm. your entry requirements... Otherwise, you'd be applying to a program where you don't qualify for and you're waiting for four months to receive an offer letter and only to get rejected. So we are able to help a student navigate towards um, applying to universities that, you know, where they meet their entry requirements to their desired programs. So, yeah, we help with university selection, application processes, accommodation, visas. And of course, the best part is usually the pre-departure events that we host at the Mm -hmm. end of almost um, every year.
2: Nice. Yeah. So what what are what are the first uh what are the first steps for those who want to study abroad? Like what do they need to do first when when they approach yourself
3: So no, we do have a category of you know we have different students who walk in through the door. Mm-hmm. There are those students yeah. who are perhaps even master students. There are those students who are still in high school. They've not figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, what course they want to go study, and then there are those students who know the courses that they want to study. So when you say, yeah, uh, yeah, when it's the first step for them, when they walk in through the door, they go through advisory Mm -hmm. by a professional well-trained counselor, who will be able to sit Mm -hmm. down with them and understand their educational needs. Okay? So now we'd be able to guide right. a student, fine. If they're in high school, um, how is your performance through high school? What course are you looking to go study, you know, in, for your bachelor degree? And then now we are able to um, explain the entry requirements. And especially we like doing this with high school students who are yet to finish their, univers- your, their high school level, because that way they would be yeah. able to have a better understanding of what they should be working towards. Because you see, it's very different right. for a student to come to us mm-hmm. um, when they've already finished their high school, And then they tell us that they want to go study medicine. And then when we look at the subjects that they've studied, they don't have biology. Okay. So now that becomes now very hard because now that is already, they can't because of the entry requirements. Biology is mandatory. So we are able to sit down with them, um, look at the entry requirements for their desired course. um, And guide them appropriately with the universities. Look at what they're working with budget-wise. Look at um, Mm -hmm. which country they're interested in, which um, type of you know, city, they would, they're probably keen on. Because sometimes you get a student who wants to say, for example, go and study in the United States. But mm-hmm. well, for example, mm-hmm. they're very sure they want to go to the UK, like you guys, um, or they want to go to Australia, they want to go to Ireland or Germany. So we get those students who are very particular about knowing where they want to go study. And then we also get students who do not know. And now we are able to lay out and, you know, um, look present the variables on the table um, in terms of entry requirements, as I said, in terms of um, university pricings in terms of the entry, um, the location of the universities and the processes Mm -hmm. pertaining the visa. Yeah. And now between, you know, after that particular guidance from a counselor, they're able to now decide by the time they leave the door, we always want to ensure that a student has got the options or maybe Mm -hmm. they've got an option that they're willing to work with. Because as I said, we work with more than 15 countries, Uh, Malaysia, Turkey, we have um, European countries we have you know universities we have a medical school now in the Caribbean so we we, we mm. believe and we, we are sure that we have and we can meet the needs of the students and all students who can walk who walk through the door or who um, interact with our website and are able to fill out the form because we we also you know prioritize prompt response you know to our yeah. students
4: mm-hmm. so
3: that way we are able they're able to at least get the information they need promptly and um, because you know, you know, if you waste a lot of time, you miss a deadline, and then that's it. Yeah. So I think that's
4: true. They yes. should be,
3: yeah, yeah. We ensure that they get what they what they need when they get in through the door.
2: So you mentioned that for 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 high school students. What about people who are uh, currently studying for their degree, but they want to still go abroad?
3: As I said, we can meet the needs of all the students so now if they are mid degree we are able to advise them on the requirements okay. that are needed to transfer right. if transferring of credits is a possibility mm-hmm. we are able to advise you on the mm-hmm. documents required for that um, if you want to street, switch the course or the degree that you're doing completely we are also a, a, you know we are able to advise on the countries that would give you that particular option because again not all countries would allow you to then change course completely and then because of the visa implication, yeah, we are able to give you that type of guidance so that by the time you know you want to move from maybe finance to um, international relations or medicine, you know which country would work best for you, Um, yeah.
0: Okay. North. Um so some people have been confusing UniServe um for a school. So from what you've just explained UniServe is not a okay. school but you help <laughs> you help people get into universities abroad and make the process easier for them. Um so when it comes to scholarships um how do you help students find these scholarships and apply for them or how does that work?
3: Oh, yeah. So we do help students um, apply for the scholarships that are available. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, you know, different countries have their own different criteria and when they post the scholarships. So we are always happy to help a student understand the requirements needed for them Mm -hmm. to excel and possibly get a percentage of that scholarship. Because Mm -hmm. you see, um, if a student comes to me, for example, with all D's and they want to get a 100 percent scholarship, Mm -hmm. we also have to advise them on. The criteria of the scholarship they're looking at, because most of these scholarships are usually merit on merit base. Yeah. Yeah. So now, if it's a merit-based scholarship, the requirement is give me the best possible merit, Um, and they also want a student who has extracurricular activities. So, have you participated in any, for example, um, sports, um, Mm -hmm. any? awards and recognitions that you've garnered during your high school or bachelor life? Um, Have you done volunteer experience? Do you already have uh, an exemplary record in your work experience where you can have this backed up by a recommendation letter? Mm -hmm. So all of these things combine into one that would help the students get the scholarship. So we have to review the requirements and then set the expectations for the students. And of course, the worst possible thing you can get is a no, right? So yes yeah. we do
4: <laughs> yeah. encourage
3: students to apply to the scholarships yeah mm-hmm. and uh, we obviously would advise them like for the UK there are certain scholarships that are there uh for you know like Mal- the eastern countries Turkey, Malaysia, especially Cyprus, there are scholarships Mm -hmm. that are running. Hungary, there are scholarships that are usually there as well. So, and Ireland as well, the the government, most of them, the ones that would give a higher percentage are government scholarships. Mm -hmm. And Now, when it comes to the university scholarships, it's usually done on merit and chances are, and most of the time it's usually assessed um, upon application. So it's assessed together with the application document submitted. So by the time you're getting your offer letter, the application for the scholarship has already been assessed and you'll know whether you've gotten like 4,000 off your tuition fee. This is 4,000 euro, USD, Canadian dollar, Australian dollar off Mm -hmm. or like, you know, up to 10,000. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so scholarships outside of, you know, the common ones, like the school ones or like the government ones, do you help students find those or would you recommend they sort of go out and do their research and and try to apply for those scholarships on their own or do you support them with that?
3: So the thing um, with the, you know, we we are specialists. Yeah. And we have different specialists mm-hmm. for different countries. Mm-hmm. So now it is the responsibility of the specialist mm-hmm. to be aware of the scholarships that um, the docket the handle Mm -hmm. has so for example i handle the european docket so i'm very well aware of the erasmus scholarships Mm -hmm. um it's when you're a specialist you also have to do your own research so that by the time a student is coming to your desk and is interested in pursuing certain type of scholarships you are able to advise on that okay Okay? so this is usually um something that we know and we're able to guide a student on Mm -hmm. but then we also have to then look at the student's profile Right. And then advice accordingly on what scholarship would work best for which one. Because you see now the U.S. is known for sports scholarships. Um, You see now the U.K. is known for the government scholarships like Commonwealth and Chivning. Mm-hmm. It all varies. Yes. And we, it's because it's you see our mandate is to make education opportunities available to everyone. So by the time they're walking through the door and... Um, we know for a fact that this student would qualify for a scholarship, we are more than happy to recommend this to the student because it is our joy to know that they are going to the university, they are studying this particular course that's going to propel them to join the career of their dreams. Mm -hmm. And that is what we champion, global education. And honestly, we can do that by giving them the relevant information pertaining their needs. We are 100% happy to do that.
2: Nice. An interesting question here um, from from the audience. If I if I start the process in November, can I uh-huh. get my visa by January?
3: Uh, yes and no. Okay, so now I would need to understand. <laughs> yeah, so I would need to understand which country are they looking at because there are certain countries where right. if you start the pro- application process in November, um, are it's very easy. The possibility is very high for you to, to be in school by January. So such countries yeah. include like the UK, mm-hmm. uh, It's because you see they have the priority visa where you can easily fast track your visa and mm-hmm. get it in time. Um, we also have Malaysia and other countries whereby your visa is granted um, upon entry. So yes, there's a possibility mm. of that. If there's a student who here is, it's actually November. <laughs> yeah. So if they're looking to then yeah. come to the office and start school in Jan, they should definitely either come to the office if they're located in Nairobi, or maybe you know just go to our website. And if wherever they are in the world, they'll be allocated uh, their guidance counselor. And they would be able to get the relevant information that will help them be in school by January. Nice.
0: Yeah. And and can you apply for a visa without um getting an offer from a school?
3: Uh, so no, that would depend on what visa they're applying for. Mm-hmm. If it's a student visa,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um no. Because one of the one of the, you know, documents required would be a letter of acceptance. Yeah. So if it's a student visa, uh you would not apply for a student visa without an offer letter because then that doesn't make sense. How are you going to Ireland? How are you gonna tell the visa officer you're going to study in Ireland without an admission from the university, mm-hmm. without you confirming your place, um, without you even providing any relevant accommodation, you know, <laughs> for yourself. Yeah. So it would be, that's not notable. And that's why we actually have a, an expert team of visa of visa counselors here and visa experts who are able to sit down with the student and explain in detail mm-hmm. the documents required for you to submit your a visa to the relevant country. So if you're going to the uk we are able to advise Find these are the documents required if you're going to for example hungary or switzerland we're able to sit down with you and see these are the documents required so that by the time you get to that stage you're already aware that this is the expectation from both your parents or your sponsor and us uh in the school for you to get you know the relevant documents um to satisfy the visa requirements
2: yeah oh. So, from from based on your experience, and yes. I guess this also varies from different uh, countries, depending uh-huh. on the countries that the students are applying for. How long would you say the journey is from the beginning? Are you finding schools to applying to courses, getting a visa, and then eventually leaving?
3: So, how the process is in terms of months?
2: No, how? Yeah, in, in terms of months.
3: Okay, so generally we do assist the student get the universities get the offers um we apply to at least three universities so that they can at least look at the different offers on the table and accept by the time we are doing that that would already be around say a month to two months by the time we are applying and for the student to have all the offers on the table after that, now when they accept the offer, we now look at accommodation options as well as, you know, know the visa process. So now this again would vary from student to student. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are certain students who take longer with the visa documents. Other students are like they have the visa documents at hand. So I would say it would range anywhere between three months to five months for the whole process to start and end. And three months, and of course now I know I said you start in November, finish in Jan. Mm-hmm. That's about say, November, December, and January, as a three to five months. Yeah. That would definitely be the time frame that you'd be looking at. Wow,
0: well, that's actually pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: It is, it is, it actually is. And especially um, if you, like, because you see, as I said, we have an expert, so we are very specialized. Um, the counselor will be able to advise you on the application documents required. So if you can provide that as soon as possible, we launch the application. And um, also with the country, that also varies because there are certain schools that would give you an offer in two days. Other schools would give you an offer in a week. So you'd find that your process would take a much shorter time than someone else's. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And so when I was applying to uni, I went to a university in the UK. And one of the requirements was to... Have show your financial statements for a month, and to just show that you had enough for school fees and for the first year um, yeah. of of cost of living. Is that a requirement for all countries, or is it just specific countries?
3: Um, it is a requirement for almost all of the countries, actually, okay. because. By the time, um, and this goes for everybody who's traveling out of the country, even for a visitor's visa, you've got to show financial capability, right? Got yeah. to provide bank statements at some point. So now the same applies to a student visa. So that's why at the onset, we have to work with the sponsor and see um, what budget works best for them. Right. With a scholarship, or even without a scholarship depending on their portfolio and depending on the documents that they would provide so we are able to at least give that guidance at the onset so that that way if for example kathoni mm-hmm. if you didn't know you needed to have funds blocked you know in one month mm-hmm. and then this information is given to you when you already have your letter you've already paid fees and now it's visa time yeah. that would leave you stranded it would give leave you in an awkward position right mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So now yeah. that's why we also want we love involving parents in this particular process, mm-hmm. especially yeah. when now it comes to know the financial segment or maybe parents or the guardians to the student mm-hmm. for them to understand the financial um, implication or the financial requirements that is needed for yeah. them. Yeah. So it is definitely needed um, for most countries, if not all. Yeah.
2: I'm very happy you answered that question, Angela, because that was my downfall when applying to, to university, Um, having those funds in for, I think, 30 days. My visa got denied because we, we didn't have that knowledge. So I'm happy that you've answered that question and clarified that.
3: Yeah, yeah. And that's why we, you know, we dub ourselves and we've been dubbed by, like, So many universities, Mm -hmm. even in the UK and in other countries for being the best at what we do, because there's no point, honestly, to find, I I mean, if my dream was to study in the States and I am not aware of the financial implications and we'll get to the visa stage and it's unfortunate that we have students who come to us after they've gotten a visa rejection just to say, I wish I knew UNICEF existed, Mm -hmm. because then that way we now have to reverse the whole thing and now look at some people even apply to the wrong program um, and that's how they get their visa rejected. Other people apply to countries that, and they don't understand the financial obligation that is required for that particular country's visa. And and we are now able to know... Reversing the whole thing, again, has its own implications, but the best part is we pride ourselves in having the experts. So we are able to navigate and see the countries and the route that would have the least risk and that would mm. still present an opportunity for the student to still get that um. Global educational
2: experience. so. Still on that. Um. So yeah. So this is not one of the questions that was there, but I feel like it's important to to, to talk about this. So when in the case that visa is denied, um, because of not having that financial capability or not having it for say the thirty days, uh-huh. what can someone then do? Um. Is there sort of an appeal process, or how would you advise them if they still really want to go and study abroad?
3: Okay, so now, if they were not using a professional body, I would suggest that they would use a professional. And in this case, they would come to UNICEF and sit down with a visa before even making the reappeal. They sit right. down and, first of all, they look, because they, they, we've had such cases before. Number one, the student sits down with a counsellor. We are able to now move work backwards and see, mm-hmm. Um, did you even apply to the right program? Did you apply to the right country? And then now we mm-hmm. look at the reasons listed on the... Uh, rejection letter and now at that point we involve now the visa experts who are now looking into the documents presented at the embassy, were they the right documents, Um, can we see the documents you presented at the embassy, Um, are we able to, you know, are you able to provide the right ones, now at that point, because you see now, especially now for example if you're looking at, different countries have different requirements, so now if this particular like for example if it's Australia, um, you're supposed to have X amount in your bank statement, if this is not a possibility at this point, then is there really a point to reappeal? No. Mm-hmm. And if it is a possibility, perhaps you did not include certain information like proof of relationship, or you know, um, ties back home information, or maybe your personal statement was not up to par. Mm-hmm. So now we are able to, if if the risk is up to you know, very minimal, for them to reapply, we are able to guide them accordingly. Most reapply and most get their visas. Because at the end of the day, we have the experts and we do our, our best to you know, make sure that the student by the time they are submitting the documents to the consulate to the embassies, they have the right documents. But then at the end of the day it's still at the discretion of the consulate to the embassies to make the decision.
2: Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh. And the process works. I'm, I'm an example of it working. That's why I'm asking yeah, these questions. exactly. You that came that to and us and your visa. Work. Yeah, we reappealed yeah, and, and you got a visa. Yeah, and I got a visa. So I'm an example that it does yeah. work.
3: <laughs> honestly, we love to hear such stories. Yeah. yeah. You know, people who went through Unisav and are doing well and they enjoyed the process, they were handled with care. When you went to the university, you graduated and you, you, you're you like, for example, like Eric Ogathoni, like if... Mm-hmm. Would you have handled this process on your own, like straight from application, straight from accommodation to visa? Do you yeah. think it's something that would have been super easy if you handled it on your own? Honestly, no. <laughs> and I think, I think, you know, if I put in the effort, maybe I
0: could have taken the time to understand, but it probably would have taken me longer than that three to six months. But yeah. one of the reasons I came to UNISERV is because, like you said, you guys are experts in this and you make this process easier for everyone. And because, like, I didn't know how to go about it, not, my parents didn't know how to go about it, my mom decided instead of stressing ourselves, let's go to the people who know and the people who can help us get through this process quickly and smoothly. So, yeah, I, okay. if, I decide, if I had wanted to put in the effort, maybe, but... I think it's better to go to somebody who knows what they're doing rather than risk
3: it yeah yeah and and i, I can't agree more yeah
0: um you mentioned um when you're talking about um, requirements for countries um proof of ties to back home why do universities ask for this
3: Actually, the universities don't ask, ask for that. Um, the universities are concerned as to whether you have the academic capability to pursue the course you're interested in. Um, so no, this is usually asked um, at the embassy's you know, level, like when you're presenting your documents mm-hmm. to the, you know, for visa. So I mean, the, one of the reasons is they want to know, um, you're going to learn skills, right? You're going to yeah. be equipped with skills. Like, for example, if it's the courses that she studied, are you going to transfer those skills back home? Or is it going to be brain drain? You understand? So now the Mm -hmm. ties back home would be relevant because they want to see if you leave the country, you're going to come back home. And this would be shown in a couple of ways. And this is usually also on a case-by-case basis because, again, no one student is the same. And I'm sure your case, Gathoni, is very different from Dennis's case. Yeah. 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 So, no, this is why now we sit down and give personalized information to the student just to see what is the situation looking like in Kenya or in Uganda or in Rwanda or wherever they are and what is the situation expected or what are the requirements expected at the consulate level. So that way, I mean, at the end of the day, like you guys went to the UK and came back home, you see. So that is proof that, I mean, the visa granted uh, at the embassy, you know, they, they looked at your case and they saw for sure you are not going to perhaps seek asylum, you know,
1: <laughs> or,
3: yeah. you know, you're going to go study, um, invest in that country, gain the relevant skills and the knowledge that you need and come back home and uh, be useful members of the Kenyan society.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Angela, we have someone who is interested in st- studying at Stanford, but they noticed that they were not on your partner list.
3: So yes. how should they go about this? So yes, uh, As I when I started off, I mentioned that we handle about more than 400 uh, global uh, partners. And these yeah. are universities. So now we obviously do not look after all the universities in the world, but I'm pretty sure one day we will get there. Um, so now if Stanford, for example, is not listed, Stanford, <laughs> now we have a specialist for the states. Okay, Mm -hmm. so now Mm -hmm. even if it's not listed in our partner universities, we're able to sit down with the students because it's an Ivy League school. So we're able to sit down with the student and advise them. It's not like when a student comes into the office and they say they want to go to Stanford, we tell them, no, we don't work with it. Mm -hmm. We cannot possibly do that. Because again, as I said, our mandate is to present education opportunities accessible to all. So now if a student is quite keen, we are able to take them through. just to give guidance on how first of all do you meet the entry requirements if you do this is how you apply etc so we would because we have a partnership agreement with the universities we may not be able to be hands-on on that particular application so yeah. but we would give hands-on guidance to the students because now um certain like ivy league schools they don't work with any um uh you know companies like uniserv they would yeah. want the student to submit the application directly and so on. And also, mm-hmm. when you look at, say, for example, the admission rate into these universities, they're also quite competitive. So, that is also yeah. something, again, we set the expectations like this is how your portfolio looks like. If this is your number one school, have like tier one schools and tier two schools. So, that way, you don't put your eggs in one basket. And then at the end of mm-hmm. it all if you do get in we are more than happy to also uh present um certain documents that are required for visas etc okay
4: yeah. but
3: no since we you know like we, we advise on tier two schools and tier one schools so now like you, are, you want to apply to stanford university of pennsylvania our uni- mm. our united states rep will be able to handle that and advise the student accordingly and also present other top schools for them to consider As I said, putting one eggs in one basket may not be the ideal situation in any life choice that you choose to maybe make, you know. It's great to have options. And then when you have finally learned the option that you really wanted, well and good.
0: And this is why people should go to (laughs) UNISAB. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, do you partner with, we have another question, do you partner with Australian universities? And the specific question is if someone were to apply um, for a visa, say now in November, would it be processed in three to eight weeks or what's the average turnaround time for that?
3: Okay, so yes, we do have Australian partners. Mm-hmm and we have so many universities in Australia that we have partnerships with and now we would want these students to at least reach out to us mm-hmm. um, of course we'll leave the details below because now we'd be able to at least understand this is how your offer looks like how far along are you with this process with the university so that we can see where we come in we'd be able to fast track it as hopefully as fast as possible so now if at this point we're in November and they're looking towards submitting their visa um the visa processing time in australia would take about say minimum of two months okay Mm -hmm. so that's about eight weeks so we can work with eight weeks to say sometimes it can take 10 weeks sometimes it can also take less than eight weeks so we'd say standard time we can work with two months two months to three months for you to get your visa Mm -hmm. but now that's on the like you've got really, you've really got to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but yeah. I would suggest that um, if we can understand, because as I said, every student is different. And so now if this student's profile um, needs a lot of visa documents, we'd be able to guide on that so that they can present the best um, portfolio in terms of their visa portfolio and academic portfolio to the embassy and they would get their visa in good time. So if they're listening, nice. please holler at us. We have a very capable team, <laughs> yes. Australian team, who are willing to handle the application with great and utmost care yeah. nice. and expertise. Nice. Um,
0: when UNICEF was um, first opened, was uh-huh. did you only deal with UK universities or did you always have um, services for universities um, in other countries? Because I think when I was applying, I'm asking because when I was applying, I didn't realize that um, you help students find universities outside the UK.
3: Are you, okay. And and I was really shocked to find that out, Kathleen. Yeah. So maybe just to answer your question, this is like any family. right? Yeah. When any family is coming together, you have your first baby, you have your second baby, yeah. hopefully you'll have 10 babies, right? <laughs> and it's the same thing with companies. You will have your first employee and then it's going to grow on to having about 50 employees, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for sure, we did, um, the founder of the company started out with um the uk because that's where he did his up to his phd level Mm -hmm. so he understood the 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 processes in depth so that's where his expertise lay but it spread out Mm -hmm. so now we definitely did have uk only but that was only at the onset um when the company was still new like 17 years ago
0: yeah
3: but by the time Gathoni you were applying this was um it was in 2014 yeah. yeah by 2014 Kathoni we had already ventured into Europe imagine wow. I didn't like know we this. still had European partners mm-hmm. so we had the UK at the time Canada was always there Australia we had we actually had ventured out into the current um, markets that we look after
0: Okay
3: yeah so i think at the time maybe um, you had cuz you see we when you get in there's a consent form where you fill the countries that you're interested in maybe at the time you indicated the UK Probably, and perhaps yeah. that's where your interest lay mm-hmm. okay so by the time you're presented uh with the uk opportunities and the universities at the time perhaps maybe you you are not keen on considering any other country because are students who walk yeah. in and ask um do you deal with china for example mm-hmm, or do you deal yeah. with say for example do you have universities in north korea and north korea we don't okay so we are able to now look at their needs like why are you choosing north korea can we give you something that's um closely related to that in maybe another another asian country
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah so i think maybe at the time your sole interest was in the uk and it's
0: yeah uh, did you did I, it you was it was i think oh, i was it so was, focused yeah? on going to the uk that that's probably yeah. why i didn't i didn't learn that yeah ask about, yeah, uh, ask about uh, other yeah. countries
3: Yeah. And as I said, no, since you are dealing with a specialist, they recognize your needs would be satisfied with the UK. And that's why the other opportunities were not presented to you, because at the time, if they recognized that your needs were aligned to the UK and we would 100% give you that, then that would be perhaps, you know, not meeting your needs. Yeah. If you, so, yeah. No. For, for example, have brought in Australia, and you're like, I had not even thought about Australia. Why are you bringing Australia? I want the UK. Can you please? Because you have students like that. Like there's students who walk in and they only want to go to Canada or they only want to go to Germany,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and they are well yeah. aware that other countries in the world exist, right? Yeah. And and by the time you're switching this person's mindset to another country, it's it's fall play. Mm-hmm. So if they come to us with Germany, we're able to understand this here are your needs and this is how we can best address them. Yeah, and that's how we've been able to grow in this capacity 17 years later, because we put yeah. our, our students first, our clients first, and your needs are our first priority.
2: That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's really amazing. So I know you encourage people to 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 come into UNICEF and talk and discuss, which I 100% agree, but now for those ones who, say, are far away from your offices, um, can the application process be done online?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like in Kenya alone, we're in Mombasa, we're in Kisumu, we're in Eldoret. Um, so it all depends. We can look for an office that's closest to you. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we are more than happy to handle to handle this remotely because we have students coming in from Nigeria, coming in from Zimbabwe. And these are students yeah. we've never actually met. But we interact with them through Zoom and the whole process is done. We interact with the parents remotely. Um, We are able to sit down with the parents and address, um, give them offers, do the accommodation. So we don't really need to meet the students to give them what they're looking for. Because uh, we have a very capable team that are able to you know handle the student remotely. And no one student should think, just because we're in Westlands, in Nairobi, and they're probably very far, um, that they can't get access to our services, which, by the way, are completely free. Because the company was founded as a community in you know, a CSR projects. And so they shouldn't shy away thinking that they got to, they've got to pay for any of our services or because we are not in the city that they're in. Mm-hmm. So we are more than happy to handle everything remotely. And, yeah, we have a couple of success stories for students who we've never actually met. And wow. they went on their way, yeah, to their countries of interest. Nice. Mm.
0: So you, you, you help um, students in Africa and the continent,
3: um, not just that, imagine. Oh. But our, our, most of our students come from this particular continent. Okay. But not to say if we get a student who is in Canada and mm-hmm. who wants to go to the UK, we can't assist.
4: Oh wow. That's what I'm
3: saying. We we've we've had students who we've never actually met. Yeah. They want to move from Canada, going to the UK university or an Irish and I you know university in Ireland. Mm-hmm. We are able to assist them because you see the processes are the same. Our visa team is well capable of handling those visas yeah. um, that enable them to move from one country to another, even if they don't live in those countries. So we are able to assist wherever you are in the world, even if you're in, I don't know like albania you know yeah. kazakhstan we were able to assist and especially when you know the ukraine war we were able to at least get students
4: mm-hmm.
3: from ukraine and get them to you know hungary the uk canada whilst in the ukraine and we didn't need to meet them we didn't need to you know meet them physically but mm-hmm. we were able to at least make that transfer seamless for them
0: Wow, I didn't I didn't know that. That's amazing. I feel like I'm learning about yeah. Unisab <laughs> all over again. Yeah. <laughs> all over again yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is great. Um so you you help you help students apply to all sorts of courses, right? Including postgraduate opportunities.
3: Yes, oh. that's correct. That's
2: good. Nice. And you mentioned, yeah. of course, your 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 spread across uh, Europe. Um, one of our listeners asked, does that include Croatia?
3: <laughs> As I said, a family grows. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so currently, we do Definitely. not have any partner university in Croatia. But then, no, that's the best part. We'll now navigate and see. Um, why are you and going see, to Croatia? Yeah. Is it because you have family there? Is it because you like the culture there? Can we give you something that's yeah. similar? to that particular market, you know. And, yeah, so we currently don't have any universities in Croatia, but you have other universities in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes.
0: Earlier, um, you mentioned one of the first things you do with um, students who work in is offer career coaching. Uh, do you yeah. offer this to anyone, even those who are not necessarily looking to apply for universities and who just want... Um, career coach
3: advice <laughs> or career coaching so we are um, at this point you're probably talking about a professional like, like myself like you're already done with school <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean yes why not because you see it's still a service yeah i mean because at the end of the day the service is geared towards because if you feel like you're not in a career that you should be in, mm-hmm. then do you want... Because you see, the, the end goal should be, are you looking to navigate out of your current career through education? If it's through education, mm-hmm. then we will 100% assist. Mm-hmm. But it's if it's from, like, for example, if it's from, say, for example, you want to move from um, maybe nursing to to dentistry, I, do, I don't know. Like, if you're looking mm-hmm. to move from one profession to the other, but not through the education route, um our specialists would be able to just give you a few pointers mm-hmm. but our main stronghold would be helping you navigate that through the education route okay okay because chances are actually if you're looking to move from one career or one profession to another you need the skills how are you gonna get the skills you've got to go to school and actually learn that how you to, to move from yeah so i think that is would 100 apply to students who want career coaching because you can, most times, more or less, you'll be able to achieve that through education.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So, for example, Gathon, you'd yeah. want to switch careers?
0: Um, do you know, I've, I've been thinking about it. Um, like, right now, right now, I'm doing, um, like, learning and development and social media marketing, and I'm sort of trying to um, figure out my career journey. Do I want to stay in one or don't want to try and have a mix of both so just having a conversation with somebody who has like that knowledge um who just help give advice like oh if you consider going within lnd and the hr space these are the sort of careers you can consider if you decide to shift to social media and marketing this is what you can consider because sometimes you just need somebody to talk to to be honest
3: yeah yeah so that's, that's why absolutely I, true yeah that's why i love
0: that idea of career coaching
3: yeah and would you want to navigate this change through education or maybe through mentorship
0: i think maybe a bit of both to be honest because like you said uh, i think and i think also what i've what i've seen being like the lnd space when you're trying to um, have a shift or make a shift in your career. You do need some element of school, even if it's not like a formal university or college. You still need like a course or something. Yeah. So and then right. it, then it also helps to have somebody to talk to who has gone through something similar. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in your case, we would definitely give you that particular guidance. Mm-hmm. And the best part, Kathoni, even if you're not looking to leave the country, we do have a distance learning team.
0: Oh nice.
3: So if you wish to navigate, you know, to from learning you know, social media to learning development Mm -hmm. or whichever other field, Mm -hmm. we'd be able to at least also give you that option. Like for example, are you looking to upscale? And get that this skill be, mm-hmm. be able to give you the distance learning option or online, so mm-hmm. that way you can still have your current job. Yeah, gain this skill when you're learning online, mm-hmm. and then even if it's from a UK accredited, you know, and these degrees are accredited. Yeah, and it's something that you'll put on paper, and it's also not necessarily written that you graduated from, you know, Lancaster University Leipzig um, online. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, Lancaster mm-hmm. University, period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, we would definitely, yes. I mean, students who are looking at getting coached, you know, having that career experience, or maybe they want some guidance on, you know, career just to identify their weaknesses. And by the way, when it comes to this one, we find that most of the students are high schoolers. Mm-hmm. B- but most of them who would be able to, because you see at that point, it's pretty much, con- they are, uh, maybe they, they don't have the necessary tools to identify where their strongest point is yeah, so that they can know. Like, um, as I mentioned in the first episode, I had my history teacher who was able to um, at least point me towards the right direction. So now there are people who do not have that. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get into high schools to be able to at least give them this particular coaching before they finish OK, before yeah. they finish their high school, they already have an idea. OK, so we've seen Unisav a couple of times. We've been able to take psychometric tests to understand our personalities and what would work best for us mm-hmm. or as an individual. And then mm-hmm. by the time they're getting into uni, they are confident, if not 100 percent, 95 percent sure that this is the course that would work best for them. Yeah. And now in a situation whereby it's a student who's already finished their degree and they've worked in a career that they don't really like, we still have such services for them. So now they just come in, see the same person who would be able to handle their career, you know, and whether he's called Dennis. If they ever come to the <laughs> office, ask for Dennis. He's, he's literally the best when it comes to understanding um, and coaching a student to be able to help them realize, mm-hmm. like, this is where and this is how you need to capitalize on a skill that would help you get into the right um, field of profession that you'd want to get into. Yeah. Mm, that's great. Mm.
2: So for those who like uh, stats and everything the stats, what would you say is your success rate in helping students?
3: Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's a tough one. It's, no, it's not a tough one because, I mean, it goes by seeing how the company has grown for the past 17 years. If yeah. our, our five-star, I mean, you can go on Google and our five-star rating is probably now at 46 Okay.
4: Nice. And nice.
3: and yeah, and that's because probably not all our students even like um, go on Google to rate. Okay. Yeah. Of course. But the yeah. only way you can tell that there is like the the company is doing the right thing, because mm-hmm. you see there are so many people who are in the same field who open their companies and they shut down in a couple in a span yeah. of a very few years. Yeah. So now the yeah. only way you can tell that the company is actually doing the right thing, they opened and seventeen years later they've grown bigger. Kathoni, I'm pretty sure if you came back to the office. Mm-hmm. And you looked at how the office looks like now, you'll be amazed. Like, if you yeah. compare <laughs> how it was in 2014 and now,
4: yeah.
3: and I'm pretty sure in 2014 we were not in Kisumu, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so if a company is growing, we are definitely doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to you, because you see of the options that we have and the array of the options that we have, we are a solid 95% success rate. And the other 5% is we still do not, we are not at the discretion of the embassies to dictate Who to give a visa Mm -hmm. or not? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, our success rate would be a hundred percent if we were able to give to everybody who works in our office a visa and everybody who to get an uh, you know admission into the universities. But no, the thing that you know where we have other options like if we get a rejection in Canada. We're able to tell you that's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. We have other options mm-hmm. in a- these other countries. Um, let's look at, let's explore them and see how you'd best fit, how your sponsor would feel about um, what is expected of them when it comes to submitting the visas, et cetera, or applications to the universities. Are you, you know, would you rather go to Dublin or would you rather go to London? Would you rather go to like, you know, Toronto, mm-hmm. etc.? cetera? So our success rate is pretty solid. And it's one thing to say, and it's one thing to see it you yeah. know so that's why i started off by saying a family grows and yeah. the company <laughs> yeah. shuts like when Chase Bank went into receivership there's something that they did wrong or something that happened in there that wasn't done right right mm-hmm. so and it, the same thing happens even with people who open businesses yeah. it's not all businesses that make it to the end but if your why is strong enough, and I believe that's why our why has kept us going, mm-hmm. is to put the needs of the student first, before everything else, and the needs of the students are able to, if they are able to be, you know, they they're able to be addressed, then the company will always do well, and the mm-hmm. ratings will get to a ten out of five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I like what you said about saying is one thing and seeing is something else. Because Dennis, remember, was it like a month ago when we went for the uni fair at Sarit and was yeah. so amazed at how
2: we were different amazed.
0: and how much like bigger and more people they were. And we like, this was this is different from when we yeah. were applying
2: to it's uni. so different, yeah. Yeah. Like,
3: yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I'm so, happy you've actually brought it up because... Yeah. Like it was our biggest, and that was um, one of the, it's not the biggest fair that mm-hmm. we normally hold, wow. imagine. So, because that was in September, right? Yeah, yeah so now our biggest yeah. one is usually in March, where we bring in over 50 institutions from all over the world wow. and we bring them to the students. Mm-hmm. So now they get to meet. By the time they are walking into um, Sarit Center wherever the fairs usually are, mm-hmm. they know for a fact they will get their needs addressed. If they are looking to get to speak to UK universities, they'll get UK universities. If they're looking to speak to universities in Ireland or Germany, they'll get that. Canada, they'll get that. Yeah. Australia, they'll get that. US, they'll get that. Malaysia, Turkey, they'll get that that. So it's it's. I mean, we, we, we normally have over 1,000 um, walk-ins for students wow. who come in with their parents and we are yet to see oh. any other company who's in the same field. And it's not just about tooting our own; mm-hmm. It's also celebrating and, you know, sitting yeah. in the success because yeah. this is also something that was not built yesterday. It's something that people who came even before I did built upon and they were able to train and built upon. And, you know, also maintaining the same ethos, the same I know company culture has been able to get us to this particular point, so that by the time you're coming to such our fairs and actually you'll have one in March, um and you, you the vibe is different. It's yeah. it's really different from what maybe other people would be doing. And again, we also just know that the students are well aware of other organisations doing mm-hmm. the same thing. But the reason why we would never be worried is because we know how we work and we know how we are able to handle a student and give them the attention they deserve is yeah. quite different. Mm-hmm. And we are yet to find an organization that can match up.
0: Yeah. That's that's amazing. It's it is. It is. I remember just a bit of a story and maybe testimonial <laughs> to my experience with UNISAO. I remember when, I started my process, there was somebody who helped me even write my personal statement. remember I wrote it, sent it over, she gave me pointers and helped me actually rewrite it to, you know, so that it can be perfect for whatever universities I was applying to. And then I remember now the next step was actually applying to universities. And I think I applied to five of them and I got maybe responses from two. And I was still waiting for a response from my number one, number one choice. And the person who was helping me at the time was just so like understanding and was like, let's just be patient. If they don't reach out in a few days, I'll reach out to them and follow up and ask them what's happening. And I remember um, like we had to consider all my A2 results and that helped me get into the university. So my experience was honestly really good. And I'm glad that whoever was working with me at the time was just able to help me navigate through that space and navigate through like the anxiety of waiting and hoping my number one choice comes back to me.
3: Yeah, honestly, and yeah. And, and, and I'm happy to hear that because sometimes you you may find that um it's it's such a tricky situation to be in a position whereby you're rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know you're told you already have two of us at the table. Can you just take? Yeah. This is what is on the table, and. And the only reason why your counsellor was able to tell you to be patient is also because you have very strong relationships mm-hmm. with these universities. Mm-hmm. So they know whereby, even if when we ask them for a prompt response on your admission process or why your application is taking longer,
4: mm-hmm.
3: they are more likely to give us a genuine response and a prompt response as to what would be pending mm-hmm. or what is required from you, if it's an English test that is required or pending, Um, please let them provide that by this day and they give us a tentative date, like she'll have her offer letter in a week time or two weeks time. And I mean, and we can only pride that because you see, we've also worked hard in building these relationships and ensuring that because that is the only way the students, like for example, that's how you're only able to get maybe, um, of course you had your merit, Mm -hmm. but because of the personal relationship your counselor had with this institution, it's probably why you also got an offer. Cause sometimes yeah. they will also look and see, um, the quality of the students that an age like an agent would give a university, mm-hmm. and that is how they are also able to like to prioritize. Um, You know, like, for example, if Unisav is putting in a request for um,
4: this
3: is like we submitted it two months ago. We are yet to hear from it. And honestly, this is her number one choice. They will prioritize that and they will ensure that they they will give a genuine response. Honestly, if you're not going to get in, they will tell you Mm -hmm. maybe the seats are already full or maybe you need Mm -hmm. to provide uh, additional documents. Maybe give me like predicted grades or maybe you're waiting for your final you know, A-level results for us to grant you a conditional letter or an unconditional offer letter.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, so, and they're they always going to be honest and we're always going to be honest with the student and tell them, um, I know this was your number one, but this is the response they gave. Uh, you, are, you are probably not admitted. Or mm-hmm. they've told us to wait for at least a month for the admissions team to go through the documents. Or maybe you've been put on a wait list. Yeah. So that way we can explore what was your other best option. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm yeah but our goal is to always ensure if you have a number one university that we work with absolutely yeah or even if that you do not work with we will also able to guide you for you to realize your dream into studying into your number one university and i'm glad kathoni you got your choice school do you mind sharing the university
0: no of course not it was university of Salford. Um, And the course I did was international events management with professional experience. Yeah, that's actually why it was my number one because of that uh, professional experience, yeah, so that I could get working experience while I was still a student. So Uh, I was thankful that I got into that. And actually even just to add on to your relationship with the schools it really paid off for me a few years later I think when I was actually in my placement here because I ended up doing it in Kenya and mm-hmm. through your relationship with Salford I was able to work as a student rep for the universities and, and attend university fairs here in Kenya with Salford and talk to other students nice. who would be interested in going to the uni as well.
3: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. That's yeah. I'm really happy to hear this testimonial because yeah. <laughs> you see they they make us like they really do motivate us yeah. because you get to see like all the hassle and bustle is literally it's not it's not for nothing. I mean, exactly. we know it's not for nothing and we, we yeah. obviously don't sit around waiting for testimonial because mm-hmm. we know we do a good job. But when a, a positive, you know, response comes along and we, we are really motivated and you know, this also goes to show that this is that they are successful stories for students to go abroad and come back home as successful as possible or even those ones who go and end up getting professional experience and staying in the relevant countries being possible and being made possible Mm -hmm. by the little steps that unicef helped them take yeah and their support system outside of unicef because it's we can't just say we can't also attribute your success to us right you Mm -hmm. also had a strong support system yeah you also put in the work because if you didn't excel if you're not aggressive enough we would not be able to at least now, you know, help in also, you know, the professional experience that you got. It mm-hmm. also goes to your hard work. Yeah, yeah. Uh. It's
2: lovely to hear. <laughs> lovely to hear. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So Angela, those who want to know, what are the what is the cost for your services?
3: Oh, the cost for our services is zero shillings. Zero US dollars, zero Canadian dollars. We charge nada, zitch, zero. That is true. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. we take pride in that because yeah. at the end of the day, your parents are still incurring a cost. Yeah. One yeah. way or another flights, um, accommodation, mm-hmm. tuition fees, visa fees, medicals, biomedicals, you know, I mean, mm. you know, biometrics rather, um, application fees to universities. So the most we can do is make this process as stress-free as possible for you and your parent or your guardian or your mm-hmm. sponsor and not charge a dime because at the end of the day our mandate is to make these opportunities available for you so now there yeah. are other agents who charge and that's none of our business but for mm-hmm. us as unisub education yeah. we absolutely don't we don't charge because we don't see the need for us to charge students and and for them to still pay the tuition fee mm-hmm. so we're, we're, yeah. is our mandate truly to make education opportunities available, or is it profit based? Right. You understand? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so we I do think not that's charge for universities.
2: Yeah, that sets you guys way above mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. else. Seeing as you care for the students, of course the parents, with everything that's going on in that application process, that really just speaks a lot about UNICEF and who you guys are. Ensuring that you care a lot about all of the people that come through the doors.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I mean, when we see parents, I mean when they come to and they're always shocked, like you don't charge and yeah, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> because at the end of the day, I mean, if you come back to us, Gathoni, and you tell us like this is how amazing your experience was or Dennis, mm-hmm. this is how your experience amazing experience was in the UK, we are happy to know that you are able to do that hassle free and we we were your bridge mm-hmm. to getting this amazing, amazing international experience that you're able to bring back home or take it out to the world and be the best version of yourself. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Um, Earlier, you mentioned that you like to get uh, parents or guardians and sponsors involved when it comes to the financial part of the application process. Would you advise students to come in with um, their parents or guardians from the beginning or just come in at that financial part of it?
3: No, no, no. Um, We love for the sponsor guardian parent Mm -hmm. to be involved at the onset. Okay. Because um, sometimes we are dealing with students who are obviously um, under the age of 18 Mm -hmm. and they need somebody to make the decisions for them Mm -hmm. as much as they would know what they would need. And uh, we also need the input of the parents so that we can know we are working with a country that works both for the student and the parent in terms of distance. It's Mm -hmm. also not just about um, the tuition cost, because you find that there are students, there are parents who are like, I want to be able to visit my child and not have to go through 18 hours of flight time. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and and now if if the student wants to go to a country where they have to, you know, fly for 18 hours or 24 hours or more, mm-hmm. and the parent is not comfortable, then there is clearly a disconnect. Yeah. So that's why we advocate for having the parent or sponsor guardian involved at the onset, because then that yeah. is how things are going to move smoothly and seamlessly.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, if the and and but then most of the times these parents, I mean, the students are also able to relay the information. So it's not like we must see the student with the parent. No, right. students come in, we give them the information. But at some point, we also have to be sure that, are you, like, do you know that your parents, do you know, are your parents aware that you're looking into this process? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are your parents comfortable with this and this? Some of them are like, um, no, but that's why I've come for information and then I'll go and discuss it with them and give you feedback. And we're also very good at our follow-up game because then that way Mm we are able to follow up and see, hi, were you, a week, two weeks later, or even a month later, were you able to discuss this with your parents, sponsor or guardian? they say yes, or, or they say, you know, out of the country they're coming in, or maybe if the parent is not on board, mm-hmm. then now we have to look at and navigate towards getting another um, option that would work for, both, both, for the both of them. Mm-hmm. Because you see, it's pointless for a parent. Yeah. I mean, if the parent sponsor guardian is clearly not comfortable, not unless you're the sole decision maker... And we see this with master students, PhD students, because mm-hmm. you're able to fund for your studies, you know what you want. Um, you don't need anybody to back your decision because everything that we would need you already can provide. And then in that mm-hmm. case, you you are able to, like the process is also easy because you're a master student or PhD, you know you want to go to Canada, you know you want to go to UK or Hungary or Ireland.
4: Mm-hmm. And this
3: is a course you know you want to do. We apply, you're able to pay the application fees. We, we know accommodation, you know what you're looking for. So yeah, it's definitely on a case by case basis.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But our we would definitely love to have, um, or maybe we would be very comfortable to know that the parent is on board with whatever is happening.
4: Okay.
3: Especially if a student is, you know, um, straight from high school, where you can clearly see that they they need, or they definitely have a decision maker as their support system. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I have one more question. <laughs> um, working when you're abroad, are there, I know like in the UK and Canada, there's hour restrictions for students. Is it the case for all countries that you've, you know, based on your experience?
3: Yeah, funny enough, Mm -hmm. Canada now lifted the working restriction till next year, December 2023. Mm -hmm. So, students who go to Canada, they can work for unlimited. Of course, it's not possible to work 24-7. Yeah. But it's not restricted. But, yeah, most countries do have a limit to the the number of hours you can work in a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of them would have 20 hours a week. Okay. And we usually tell students, fine, the countries have given you the leeway to work, but the visa that you went with Mm -hmm. is not a work visa. It's a student permit. Yeah. So in a study visa, your first mandate is to prioritize your education Mm -hmm. and then the work comes second. Because now if you don't prioritize your education, you're missing classes. Um, you're not submitting assignments in good time, you're there on a study permit which can easily be cancelled and you're told to come back home. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we have to make sure that the student is well aware that, of course, this is something, this is a park you get. You can earn a little bit of money here and there. During the summer, of course, you can work full time because there's no school mm-hmm. um, or maybe during breaks. But now if it's during the, if you're in session, 20 hours. Yeah. And there are certain countries that would also not allow you to work. So you're only yeah. there for studying and studying alone. And when you're caught working as an international student, you're pretty much taken out, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. most of the countries we have would allow, our students, uh, would allow students to work for okay. at least 20 hours during session and 40 hours during the breaks. Mm-hmm. And this is a week.
2: Okay. Because the studies come first. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah.
0: And it's very important for students to really know the repercussions if you don't follow the rules because I mean yeah. already going to uni abroad is expensive so you don't have risk it by
3: overworking. Yeah. yeah. Imagine Katoni if you are if you are sent back home <laughs> and then you say. have to give your parents <laughs> <laughs> is at hey. you worked too hard, you are not able to prioritize your education after yeah. you, your parents spent X amount of you know money, money to yeah. give you quality education it should be so, so that is usually such an unfortunate situation oh, and yeah. I would hate for any one of our students to have to be in that predicament, yeah because we have we, we tell them like i mean this is just butter park, mm-hmm. but your first priority has really got to be your education,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, if I'm just thinking, if that happened to me, I'd be sent back to Charlie so quickly. <laughs> <Bruh>. <laughs> just <to> this.
3: Same.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just to work and get that money back. It's
3: true. I know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> mm. This has been fantastic, Angela. Thank you for answering all of these questions. Um, yeah. I know there are a lot of people who feel a sense of relief. You've answered a whole lot. And we can tell that you're passionate about this yes. as well. I think that's yeah. that's that's what's really, really standing out. You're passionate and it's resonating from you and from UNICEF. So yeah, it, it lies in both that you guys are really, really trying to help people and you're yeah. succeeding in doing it. And I'm sure I speak for all of the people have been successful for you guys saying that we really appreciate the work that you've Mm -hmm. done and the Mm -hmm. work that you guys continue to do. It's, it's really fantastic.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. I'm honored, especially coming from somebody who used our services. Really, it's, it's not, I'm truly honored. And yes, the passion cuts across, you know, it's, it trickles down Mm -hmm. all through from our CEO, um, down to, you know, senior management, down to us guys, down to everybody, like everybody you meet when you come to our offices, you will notice the enthusiasm and the drive to give you what you're looking for. And honestly, there are yeah. certain students who come to our desk and they ask a couple of questions. And they, some of them feel guilty and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm asking some." But we tell them, we tell them, be easy. If you're on my desk, yeah. even if it means taking a whole day with you just to answer your question, so that by the time you yeah. leave the door, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're satisfied and you know the direction you want to pick. I would happily cancel appointments and just give that student my priority and my time and just be fully present yeah. to make sure. Because you see, it's a life-changing moment. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if you come and I'm very thrash with you, I'm, I'm just very, I'm not thorough, I don't care about what I'm doing, you, you will easily sense that, for example, when you go to a, a, like a doctor's appointment and you meet a nurse, yeah. you can easily tell a nurse who's who has, or even a shopkeeper at a supermarket, who's, or an attendant, you'd, you'd be able to tell if they have the willingness to serve you or they're just doing it because it's their job or they actually care about what they're doing right
2: yeah definitely
3: yeah and i mean yeah and that is the same thing that happens here everybody you meet at our offices they're right from the recept right i think even right from the guards because our guards at 40 tower in Westlands, they're very friendly. And this is because yeah. this is where I'm, I'm based. They will say hi to yeah. you. So it's pretty much from the guard, you get in um, from our receptionists. They're very warm and welcoming. We have the best hospitality, I would say. We set you up and we give you the information that you you need. By the time you leave, even if you go home and remember you did not ask all the questions, we are always happy to set up remote um, calls or even another office appointment if need be.
2: Yeah, yeah yeah. it's fantastic. We really appreciate really appreciate Unisav and the work. That yeah. are doing. So where, where can our listeners find uh, you personally in case they have any questions and where can they find you?
3: Okay, so if they have any questions in regards to studying in Europe, if they want to join their studies in January, March, April, September next year, um, they can find me on email at Angela at unisaveducation they can also find me on uh, the Europe line Europe at um, UniserveEducation dot com or on zero seven eight zero five four four eight eight six. And for sure, if they want to find more about the services that Uniserve Education offers in 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 like more detail the institutions yeah. that we partner with in one basket they can easily visit our website on unisabeducation.com. there they will be able to navigate easily it's a very site-friendly uh, platform um, they would be able to even fill a form uh, where they indicate what they would like or what they're looking for and somebody will get in touch with them immediately they can also get in touch with us through our line or maybe yep. we can start with the email, info at unisaveducation.com. If they have any questions pertaining, or just general questions pertaining any which any any one of our services, that will be addressed immediately. Um yep. and if they want to find us um on WhatsApp or on call, we are on two five plus two five four seven three four zero zero four zero
2: zero three. Fantastic, fantastic. Yep. And we'll make sure we put all of these details, uh, contact details in the show notes as well. Yeah. I'm sure that people who have a lot more questions and who want to learn about unicef and also just make their lives easier when applying to to their universities.
3: Yes, absolutely. Yes.
2: Thank you, thank you, Angelov. This has been fantastic. Thank you for uh, speaking with us again. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so I know it's always an exciting uh, topic for us as hosts and also for uh, for our listeners as well. So. Please, guys, check out UNICEF with the offices. Greet um, the watchman as you're going up, as Angela says, as they're a very friendly bunch, all of them with smiles on their faces. If you have questions, please reach out to them. Please reach out to us uh, as well as a Kenyan experience. Uh, as we've mentioned, we're really excited about this collaboration and we want to make your lives easier also when you're picking the universities and making sure that everything works out for you. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank yes, you,
3: guys, thank you for, for you having there. me
2: yeah no problem yeah. no problem and we'd love to have you again when we have many more questions from our listeners.
3: absolutely i'd love to come back yeah. you're very friendly i've enjoyed the conversations in the first part of the episode episode yeah. and i'm happy to still do this one and honestly many more to come
2: nice many more to come many more yeah to come. <laughs> all right thanks guys for listening to this episode and we'll, we'll catch you guys on the next one
1: bye thank you for tuning in to another episode of a kenyan's experience if you found this episode inspiring or even helpful then please do us a solid and share it with close friends or family or even just share it to the world we appreciate you hit us up check out that new feature the voice notes let us know what you think about this episode we'd love to hear back from you